0: Things here, maybe you could just direct your message to the young adult since it's a young adult service, or we can do what I could, we could call um, ramblings with the father. So Jeremiah did prophetic ramblings. Maybe Barry can do fatherly ramblings this morning. So I don't know what he has in store for Bro, us. I
1: really don't know what you're talking about. I am a young adult. Okay. All right, we come go on. on! Come on. I'm not dead yet.
0: I actually had the opportunity this past Friday to, uh, Barry needed some help planting some trees, uh, just a couple of them. And I got a little taste of, uh, you know how Peter says, make your calling and election sure. Well, I made sure, the Lord made sure in me, I'm not called to do that kind of work. So <laughs> I praise God for that, but, praise um, God. let's, let's take a moment. Let's pray for Raul and his family. I know Miss Christie. she's out today. She's not feeling well. Um, so I know there's just kind of a, a sickness going around, but let's just take a moment to pray for them, and then uh, we'll let Barry go for it. Father, we thank you for this morning, God, and we just come before you. and We lift up uh, Raul, Kathleen, Amaya, and Nash, Lord. We lift them up before you, and God, we just declare your healing power over them and their household. Father, I command every ounce of sickness to leave their bodies and to leave their home in the name of Jesus. i to lift up Christy and her household, Lord, that every form of sickness would leave her body in her home. God, would you release your power and your presence over them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for our body this morning, anyone dealing with sickness and weariness. God, would you by the Holy Spirit begin to minister to them, Lord? Would you release your power and your grace over them to heal them this morning in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Well, now would you stand with me for just a moment?
1: You can turn me down just a little, Kevin. I'm just getting ready to get wound up. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. How many would like for the Holy Spirit to impact you with his word this morning? How many knows he rides on this chariot? And he can change and transform our lives. one word can change everything for you and for me. Let's invite him. Father, we thank you for your holy word and we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Come and have your way in us. We just say that our heart is your garden. Come and plant your seeds in us. We belong to you, Lord. I pray that you would speak your words forth, Lord, that they would come forth with clarity and with impact, and that you would bless your people in this place this morning, that you would smile upon them, that your face would shine upon them, and that Jesus would be made more real in each heart than he's ever been before. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Young adults did a great job. Great job. Luke chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me, so where I want to jump in. Luke chapter 1, you'll recognize this as one of the Christmas stories that we um, often read during this time of the year. But there's some powerful truth in there that I want to go after personally it has rocked my life, what I'm going to share today. So I share out of a place of um, experience that this concept, the ideas that are in this passage um, have rocked me. They will rock your life too, I guarantee you, I promise you. Luke chapter 1, I want to start reading at verse just for the um, sake of time. We'll, we'll go into kind of the middle of the story. It's verse 31. This is when the angel Gabriel comes and appears. To Mary, a little teenage girl, probably 13, 14 years old. You know, we're kind of familiar with this, and so it doesn't impact us the way that I'm sure it impacted Mary. Angel Gabriel coming, appearing to this little girl. And here's what he says, verse 31. You will behold, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Wow. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Notice verses 37 and 38. This is what I want to focus on. For nothing will be impossible with God. The margin of my Bible says this. This is the way the Greek actually reads. Not any word from God will be impossible. Not any word from God will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed It's the title of my message this morning. May it be done unto me according to your word. Kenneth Weiss translation of verse 37 says, In the presence of God, no word shall be impossible. This is a stumbling block to lots of people that we believe in the virgin birth. Do you know that? Like how do you believe that a virgin conceived? Because... God spoke a word. He sent an angel to a young girl and said, you're going to conceive the Son of God who's going to be the king of the universe. And she said, what? Lord, be it done unto me. According to what? According to your word. Be it done unto me according to your word. You say, well, what's that application for us? We're not the virgin that's going to bear the Son of God. But I want to tell you something, your heart was created to be a womb that God could plant His Word in and birth and bring forth His purposes for your life, and we all need to have the posture of, Lord, nothing's impossible for you. Plant your Word inside of my heart and let it grow. And a good part of our Christian life and a good part of our destiny hinges on this, that we connect with the Word of God that He imparts to us. I want to talk today about the power of the Word and the Scriptures in our lives. That doesn't get a lot of amen. Why? Because we talk about it every week. But let me tell you something. When, when I was in uh, high school on a summer, I worked at uh, Carvel Ice Cream. Anybody know Carvel Ice Cream? How many like Carvel Ice Cream? It's it's pretty good stuff. I worked there, and here's what I found. After I worked there for a little while, anything that was a mess up, you know, where the cone flopped over or you put the wrong thing on there, we put that in what we call the shock box, which is a freezer thirty below zero. And at the end of the day, you take them home. But I had so much ice cream, and I worked with it all day long, making ice cream cakes and thinny thin and all this stuff that you do at Carvel. That it wasn't very long in where I was like, "Mm, I don't really like ice cream anymore. (laughs) The stuff that I took home, I would give to my parents. Because I was just like, I work around this stuff all the time and I'm this, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. I don't really want ice cream. Can I tell you, if we're not careful, in the church, we're around this word that is so Powerful. That is so transforming. And we're like, ah, I've heard that story before about Christmas. Ah, I've heard that story before. And all the while, the Father from heaven, no, he doesn't have to send the angel Gabriel, but he's always looking for the heart that's like a womb that will say, Lord, plant your word in here, be it done unto me according to your word. And what I've found in my life is that the areas that I'm weak in and lacking in and lacking destiny in my life, what I need to do is to connect myself to the Word of God because it's powerful and it changes and it transforms. See, my life has been marked by this since the time I was first saved. Very simple words can transform your life. My mother said to me the day that I was converted and came to Jesus, This is the gospel that I got. You believe in God, don't you? She definitely was no theologian. But when I said yes, God came rushing into my life in a way that I can't describe to you. The Holy Spirit came on me, and then he got me to a pastor because my mother wasn't churched. She called a friend of hers that knew a pastor, called him over to the house. He led me to Christ and told me the gospel, and my life has forever been changed and on a different trajectory. At that same time, unbeknownst to me, my oldest brother, who's like a brainiac engineer, he got a scholarship to Cornell University Ivy League School in New York. He graduated number three in class rank from Cornell. My other brother's a doctor and a surgeon, I guess by the time they got to me, they just ran out of brains. I mean, (laughs) my brothers are, like, super smart. So here's my brilliant brother, and he's having trouble, and it's just his own personal life in Cordell. And some little Christian in the college Christian group said to him, You know what? You need to read the Gospel of John and just see if God's real. He said, Okay. Okay. He read the Gospel of John, this left-brained engineer reading the Gospel of John. And God came into his room and said, This is real. This is what you are made for. Come to me. And when we met that Christmas unbeknownst to each other, after this happened on both of our lives, we compared notes and found out, he said, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I said, dude, you did not. That's what happened to me. God started invading in my family by planting his words inside of us. My other brother, who's a doctor now, I started to share the gospel with him. I said, Keith. Jesus is real, like he's changed my life. The gospel's real. And his response was, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up! Don't ever talk to me about that again. Shut up! That's, that was his response, basically. It wasn't a great reception. But here's, here's what I want to tell him. Two years later, <laughs> I just let him go. I said, okay, dude, I, I won't talk to you you know, about it. Two years later, he came up to me and he said, we were both home on vacation. He was in med school, I was in college. He said, I wanna get baptized. Like I thought I was in a dream. I said, sit down. You wanna do what? I wanna get baptized. Okay, do you know what baptism means? Like you're exchanging your old life. Now you're rising again in new life with Jesus Christ. Now he's the core and the center of everything that makes you tick. He goes, yeah, that's what I want. I said, dude, what happened to you? He said, ever since you spoke those words to me, I've been under conviction for two solid years. And God would not let me go. And I'm turning my life over to Him. And I led my brother to Christ and baptized him in the lake behind our house. Not because I'm some brilliant theologian. I just spoke simple words and the Holy Spirit took those words and went, wham! And he couldn't get free because God had a hold on him through the Word of God. So my life and my family... See, we were raised staunch heathen. We didn't have any Christian background. But God came in and He started to train wreck our family in a good way by attaching us to His Word. We've never been the same. Both of my brothers today serve the Lord, their families serve the Lord. God's amazing. Our hearts are designed by God to be wombs for His Word so that He can birth His purposes through us. How many know 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16? You probably do when I start it. All Scripture is what? What is it? It's God-breathed, right? Most of our translations say all Scripture is inspired. The Greek there is God breathe. Here, here's the amazing thing. See, here's, here, here we're dealing with the Carvel ice cream again. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, don't do that. All scripture is breathed by God. What does that mean? Like that's different than just saying he inspired it or he put thoughts in people's heads. He breathed it. It's filled with his life and his power and his very essence. It comes out of his being. And here's what I want to submit to us. The way that our lives are changed is by breathing in the breath that he's breathed out. It changes us on the inside. It transforms us. One of the great burdens that I carry is that in the church of Jesus Christ, we wouldn't view Bible reading the same as we do eating okra. I eat it because it's good for me, but I would spit it out when you turn your head. It's not. It's life. It's powerful. Hebrews chapter 4. Let me just read this with you. I know, I know, you know these verses, but do these verses control your life? Verse 12 of Hebrews 4, for the word of God is what? Say it. Say it louder. It's alive. This is not a philosophy. Christianity that we have is not an opinion. It's not a philosophy. It's The life of God living inside of us. The Word of God is alive. What else is it? It's active. What does that mean? It's always moving, doing something. This is different than book knowledge. This is not just another book. This is the recording of words that God breathed out of His very essence. It's active. It's sharp. How many have ever felt the point? Come on. if you felt the point? Yeah, I felt it. Pierced me. How many have been pierced by the Word of God? Conviction, piercing. <laughs> so good. He uses it like a scalpel if we'll lay still. It hurts a lot less if you lay still. Just let the point cut. Let him go after that. Here's what I've found: if you go into rationalization mode, if you go into excuse mode, it's like jiggling around when they're trying to put in the scalpel. Like you, you it hurts worse. Just lay there and go, "Yes, Lord, that's that needs to come out of my life." It pierces sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. How far does it pierce? As far as the division of soul and spirit, it goes down to the very core of our being, of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How many have ever been like? Do you have the argumentation thing down? Some of of you guys in marriage, I know, like you go, "Oh, honey, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. Like, I really, I'm so sorry that you thought that." But I, and then that word comes and goes. Yes, you did, you liar. You liar, you did. He cuts right down to the core of our being with his word. And it's a good thing. And it's able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight. Doesn't matter if they're postmodern. Doesn't matter if they're atheists. Doesn't matter if they're intellectual brainiacs like my brothers. He's able to get in there. He cuts and he finds. His word is powerful and alive. No creature is hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Our heart's are womb. Here's what I want to tell you. You can't get pregnant vicariously. If I'm pregnant with the word, I may be able to help you. To see it, but you as individual believers, this is how your destiny works. You have to get before the Lord and you have to let Him implant His Word in you. That probably means that we need to get in the Word more. But let Him plant that inside of you. See, what I'm trying to get at here is Bible reading is not a duty in the kingdom of God, it's such a privilege. So here's how it works. Wherever we lack in our life, you know why we lack there? Because we're not connected rightly to His Word. Whatever we lack in character, do you know why we lack there? Because we're not rightly connected to His Word. Because when we're rightly connected to it, it produces power and transformation and changes us. No one else can get pregnant for you. No one else can lay their heart before the Lord and say, Lord, plant your word inside of me. My wife and I have seven children, if you don't know that. And they're all pretty well grown now. It's a blessing to see. But I can tell you that when I started out, we were just talking to some friends the other day about this. I felt like the biggest incompetent father trying to raise my children that you've ever seen. My had no role model. My wife's family was a train wreck. Um, my dad was not a believer. And I struggled to figure out, God, what am I supposed to do? How am I going to raise these children to love you? Because the weight of that, how many are parents? The weight of that, like, how am I going to raise these children to love you? don't even know what i'm doing and cry out to the lord over and over again god i don't know what i'm doing and He, i know he says i know that's why you need to come to me here's one of the things that he showed me so i'm just talking about how this works on a practical level okay one of the scriptures that he used all scripture is what all of it is what it's breathed by God, so it's alive and all of those other things. He started planting some scripture inside of my heart. I was just waiting before him, saying, God, what, what do I do? How do I raise them to love you? Like I know. I see friends all around. I see people all around in the church. I know I I, I don't know how to do it. What do I what do I do? I would go to Promise Keepers meetings back in the buddy of you a little older than young adults know what Promise Keepers was. Um, we'd go there, and basically I felt like for me that was just going to get in a whipping. These are all the things you're not doing that you're supposed to be doing. And I'd, be like, I'd come back, and my wife would say, Oh, honey, did you learn some good things about how to raise our kids? And I'd say, No, I, I can't do any of it. I got eight points, and I can't do one of them. I don't know what I'm doing. That was really my response. And the Lord said, Listen, what you need is to get pregnant. You need to have a word from me planted inside of your heart. See, at least I had this going for me. I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And I knew I needed God. That's actually a plus. Instead of reading all the books on parenting, which we did, I still couldn't understand what to do. But I can tell you, as parents, you know this. You can't do what needs to be done inside of your children in the deepest part of their heart. They might conform to a certain point, but if God doesn't win them and capture their heart, they won't stay. Obscure scripture, Exodus chapter 28, talking about the high priest. How he's gonna wear, you know, the, the ephod. How many have ever studied the high priest and the garments and stuff? Yeah, there's three. And it's mostly us older than young adult group. So you guys, if you don't know, like the high priest went in before the presence of the Lord, there were certain garments that he had. One was called an ephod. It was like a vest. And here's the thing that struck me. You go, this is crazy. This doesn't mean anything. It means something. He said, I want you to write the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were doubled. There was two places. So on each of the shoulders, six tribes were on one shoulder, six tribes were on the other. And then on the breastplate, God says repeatedly, wear them over your heart and bring them continually into the presence of the Lord as a memorial. And that struck me like lightning. All their names of the 12 tribes are here in the 12 separate stones, and then six on each side on the shoulder. So he's got two different sets of all of the tribes of Israel that every time he goes into the presence of the Lord, he's bringing them before the Lord as a memorial. And the Lord showed me, if you will call out their names before me every time you come before me, that I would remember them to bless them, that I would capture their heart, and that I would reveal myself to them and make myself known to them, I'll do what you can never do. If you're the greatest expert in child rearing there ever was, you can't do that, but God can. That word stuck in my heart, so I'd be out, Lord. I don't know what to do with this behavioral issue. I don't know what to do with whatever. You know, we had some rough years when our kids were young. It's hard. Seven children. We had some rowdy boys. We had to tie them together one time to help them to get along. It's a different story. Began to call out their names before the Lord. You know what began to happen to me? I got pregnant. I got pregnant in my heart. And I began to have confidence in my heart, God. I'm calling their names before you. You set this whole thing up because you wanted to bless them. And the way to have them be blessed is to call out their names before you in your presence. And you will come and hear and answer that prayer because this is what you've set up. And so I take my children one at a time. Lord, I call out Jace Cameron's name. Lord, bless him. Draw him to yourself. And I go through the list of my kids. And I call them out hundreds of times. God put that word inside of me I didn't get pregnant from somebody else with that they may have peaked that idea inside of me but see that's okay you just have to own it for yourself and spend enough time before the Lord to let him impregnate you with his living word here's one thing that I know in the church especially in the American church especially in the charismatic church very often we're too quick to pray we pray too quick We don't have anything in our heart and we pray and go, okay, I did my duty and let it go. That doesn't work. Let me tell you what works. Get before the Lord. Take weeks or even months. Go, God, this is a big deal. This is important. Plant your word inside of me. What are you saying? Confidence begins to grow inside of you. You have something then. It's building inside of you. The word is alive. It's powerful. It's active, and it changes. I totally believe that in the church community, one of the things that, um, one of the reasons that we don't see more divine healing, and I thank God for, uh, we totally believe in it, is that I think we have too fast of a mentality. Okay, come up here, line up, and boom, 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 boom. boom. Okay, you're done. Whereas we don't get into what's going on with the heart. Do I actually have something in my heart? The Bible says that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Sometimes faith takes a little while to grow inside of you. How do we get faith? We need to be connected to what God said. This is what brings faith. Okay, a lot of you looking at me like a cow at a new gate. Like, are you, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Our relationship to the Bible is meant to be so much more than duty. It is us breathing in God's breath and letting it produce life in and through us. When I went to school in Tulsa, there was a lady there, her name was Sandy Brown. She was an evangelist at that time. In my own personal opinion, my own experience, She was the most powerful evangelist that I have ever experienced in my life. When she would give an altar call, you felt physically dragged to the altar. I mean, Lord, I know I'm saved, but I mean, it was like a net, and people would run to the front and cry out to God. It was powerful. You know how she got saved? She was a Las Vegas dancer in the casinos. She was a drug addict, and her life was a shipwreck. One day, she was at somebody's house and another lady came in that was a friend of hers who was a true believer in Jesus Christ. Here's all she said. Honey, I don't know what's wrong with you, but Jesus Christ can make you whole. She said that was the first time in her life that she'd ever heard the name of Jesus that it wasn't a cuss word. And that word... So that that that, that's not hugely deep theology, that's just somebody that had that moving, living, active word inside of them, spoke it forth. It pierced her heart, and she couldn't get away from that. She was as ignorant as a box of rocks about the Lord, and the Lord drew her and transformed her life in a powerful way. And He used her. I don't know how many thousands of people were saved under her, her ministry, but it was powerful. The Word of God has power in itself. The culture that we live in now, and even in the church, I hear this kind of talk. Like, we need to really tone it down. Don't say the Bible says. We're living in a postmodern age. Don't say the Word of God says. Don't refer to the scriptures. We just need to have a different way. We need to talk about philosophy and evidences and blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, we're treating this like it's another book. And it's not. It's full of life. It's full of power. And Paul said, if, if we don't speak, now I get it. You know, back in my day in the 80s, they used to call us Bible thumpers. I haven't heard that term for a while. You heard Bible, you're Bible thumper. It's going to quote the Bible. I get that the church sometimes has been arrogant and condescending in the way that we presented the truth. But, but, but let me tell you something. The hope for society is that the light of the gospel gets proclaimed into the darkness. If we shut that down, we take away their hope. The gospel is foolishness to those who perish. There's always going to be the mockers. Jesus had people that rejected his word. If he did, guess what? The apostles had people that rejected their word. If they did, guess what? But! That doesn't mean we stop speaking to the culture. That doesn't mean we stop speaking the word. Even simple words that come from a heart of fullness. See, when you're pregnant with life, when we speak out of the mouth of a believer, that life comes out and impacts. Absolutely. When I was at Rama Bible Training Center, one of my teachers was Jerry O'Dell. He was um, crusade director for T.L. Osborne. Anybody ever heard of T.L. Osborne? Okay, most of us that are older than young adults. (laughs) T.L. Osborne at that time, this was in the 1980s before Reinhard Bonnke really was maybe in the full bloom. Um, At that time... I mean, there were a lot of credible people that said T.L. Osborne had more people saved under his ministry than any person that had ever lived in Africa. He had huge crusades. Um, And here's one of the things that happened in the crusades that I thought was so uh, revealing. Jerry O'Dell told us, because he set up the crusades and he ran them, so it was kind of a cool inside look. He said they would bring people that were demon-possessed and insane And put them around the outskirts of where the crusade was in cages sometimes and sometimes tied up to trees. And when the preaching of the word came forth, just the preaching of the word came forth, demons would come out of them and they would come out in their right minds and we'd let them out. He knew knew stories of, of women who were mothers and they'd gone insane and got demon possessed and whatever. And after the preaching of the word, the power of the word, Jesus cast out the spirits with his With His Word, they'd be completely free, transformed in their right mind. The Word of God is powerful. The devil, I would say, would love for us to go into battles, but not to bring the sword of the Spirit. He loved that. He wants to set the terms in the culture. Here, you come and rumble with us, but you can't bring the sword of the Spirit. That's our only offensive weapon. We don't need to leave it. Okay? But in our personal lives, what do we need to connect with? I love the story of Martin Luther. I love church history. You might know that it's changed me. Martin Luther had one simple revelation, basically, of Romans 117. When he got that, the just shall live by faith. He, want, You know the song that Martin Luther wrote, Almighty Fortress is Our God? The Prince of Darkness, you know the stanza, the Prince of Darkness, grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. Why? One little word shall fill him. Yeah. Do you know what happened in Martin Luther's ministry? That was directly out of him. He saw the light of Romans one seventeen, and it burned like a fire inside of him, and it set the whole world on fire, and it's still burning. One little word. This word is alive. It's alive, and it's powerful. In our lives, whatever we connect to Scripture, we connect to the very breath of God. In our lives, whatever we connect, I mean really connect to Scripture. I don't mean sprinkle it on your brain. I mean get impregnated with it. See, I'm calling for a revolution in the way that we interact and deal with the Word of God. Because there's a way that we can do it that immunizes us to truth where we think all this, our default is I've already heard that, I've already heard that, I've already heard that and that's going off inside of our head. Instead of that being our default, if our default was God, yes. I don't care how many times I've heard it, I know I don't see it. Do you ever read Psalm 119? Here's the psalmist Probably David. He's read the scripture time and time again. He talks about how he meditates on it day and night. He talks about how he loves it and delights in it. And yet he prays these prayers in that same psalm. How many have read the scripture multiple times? Honestly, in our generation, there's a lot of people in our churches that have never read it. The Bible, and I'm not look. I'm not throwing out darts or anything like that. I'm just saying the reason is because we have viewed it as broccoli, and what I want to put out there is it's alive. It will change the way you parent. It will change your marriage. It will change you. It will break pornography off of your life. People, I see all the time, what I see is ministry is trying to help connect people with the living Scripture because I know it's powerful. They don't need my philosophy. They don't need my opinion. They need God. And the way that we connect them with God, all Scripture is It's breathed out of God's very essence. Do you think it's a little bit powerful? God, it's God breathed, but it definitely won't break the bonds of pornography. I mean, is that kind of the way we we wouldn't say that, but is that? If if you will take the time. How many have areas in your life where you know there's lack? No, come on. If you're breathing, you do. If you're married, you know you do. And if you have children, you're desperate. (laughs) We need to take the areas of our life that are lacking and hollow. Come on, let's get honest enough before the Lord to love the truth and say, God, I'm hollow in this area. I'm not good. I'm not okay. I can smile and do the church thing and say, oh, everything's good. But I know I'm not good here. And the father's saying, it's okay. You're barren unless I plant that word inside of you. But if you'll come before me and let my heart, let your heart be my garden. Let me plant my seeds in there, Cultivate and nurture them. You ever see a pregnant woman? I I think about this sometimes. My my wife has actually been pregnant for five and three-quarters years um, with our seven children. So just to put it in perspective. And, and when a woman's pregnant, this is what I've noticed. Maybe it's not universal. But have you ever seen them with their, their bellies out there like that? And they just they're just rubbing their stomach. That baby, that life is in there. Father wants us to go. Lord, let this enter inside of me. The areas where I'm weak might be in relationships, might be in my job, might be in fine. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever the Lord has spoken about can be your baby. And we just walk around like this. Thank you, God. Thank you. I just call the names of my children out before you. One of my things was finances. God, you know there's no way I can pay for these kids. This is impossible. he's like, it's okay. Just let the baby grow. Just let the baby grow. And I walk around like that. You're going to take care of my kids. You're going to pay for their braces. You're going to pay for their school. You're going to pay for those teenage boy's food. Lord, have mercy. It's growing. It's growing. See, th- this is different than just having a scripture that you put up on your fridge. That's okay. Sometimes it takes time and it takes work where you've got to keep after it. And I can tell you this, after being after the Word of God pretty passionately for 40 plus years, I don't know diddly squat. But the things that the Lord has attached to my heart have changed my life. When I have weak areas, and I always do, I tend to write things down on a 3 by 5 card. I'll write scriptures down, or sometimes I'll write my prayer requests and say, God, this is where I'm messed up and crooked, right here. No, I can't reach that. How many have ever had things in your life where you go, I wish I could just pull that out, but you can't reach it? Lord, I can't reach this, but I'm lifting it up before you. Plant your seed of your word inside of me. Give me insight. Got anger issues? I had that with one of my children. They exasperated me. The Bible says fathers don't exasperate your children, but it didn't say children don't exasperate your fathers. So... (laughs) He was difficult, and um, I snatched him up one day. He, he blew a big snot ball and hit me right in the chest with it. when I was trying to discipline him, and I snatched him up, and he was hanging between heaven and earth. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God. I did not know that was inside of me. And I sat him down, and I said, Daddy, we'll come back in a little bit. I've got to go pray and repent. And I cried out to the Lord, and he planted inside of me, James. Chapter 1, the anger of man doesn't achieve God's righteous purposes. And he said to me, if you discipline an anger, you're going to abort what I want to do in your boy. And it broke my heart. And that word is still inside of me. And it broke the power of that anger and exasperation in my life. See, God wants to get inside of us in every single area of our life. Because you know what? When there's substance in us, when there's substance, when there's words inside of us that burn, you don't have to go study to come and present it. It's inside and it comes out. Can I ask you how many of you in here believe in the inerrancy of this book, that, that it's, it is God breathed and that it's, it's infallible? Yeah, okay. So most of you believe. Here's, here's a question I have for you Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? If I ask you to come up here, anyone, I mean, there might be some in the room, Nick probably could, but if I ask somebody to come up here and say, I want you to just give five minutes of historical, academic reasons why you believe this book is is infallible. Is there, I mean, how many in the room think that you could probably do that? Okay, there's a few. Honestly, I don't know that I could have could do that right now. I'd have to go back and look at the books. Say, oh, do you believe in God? Yeah, why? Well, no reason. Oh, I have to go read the books again. Do you believe the Bible's in and inspired? Yeah, well, how do you know? How do most people know? How do most people that are not, how many know that most of the people that have ever been saved in the world are not academic scholars? They can't even understand academic scholars. I can hardly understand academic scholars. I told you when the Lord passed out brains in my family, somebody bumped his hand when he got to me. So my brother's got it. But listen, that's not how we know. You can get probabilities from historical evidence, but you won't give your life for that. If I brought you up here today and I said, did Julius Caesar really live or not? And I put a gun to your head. I bet you'd, real, you'd think it real hard. How do we know that the Bible is true? How do we really know? How is it that God ordained that the simplest people in the simplest culture who don't even have written language can determine that this is His actual word? How do they know? That's 99 plus percent of everybody that's ever lived and received the gospel. How do they know? I want to tell you it's the same way that you know that Jesus is the Christ. Because like he said to Peter in Matthew 16, Who do you say that I am, Peter? You've lived with me. You've eaten with me. You've slept next to me on the ground. You've seen me do miracles. You've seen me multiply the loaves and the fishes. You've seen me walk on water. Who do you say that I am? And Peter's answer and Jesus' answer are somewhat astounding, I think. Peter's answer is, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus immediately said, you didn't get that from your flesh. My Father in heaven. Yeah, but he saw everything that Jesus did. He heard his teaching. It wasn't enough. Not to know for sure. My Father who's in heaven showed you that. Otherwise, you could not see that. And I want to say the same thing's true about his word. The reason that you believe this is the Word of God, partly because of testimony. I mean, it's not a wrong answer to say because my mama told me it was. That's just an incomplete answer. Because what mama told me the Bible's true is not good enough when you go to college and have atheists and materialist professors try to beat that out of you. It's It's not good enough then. You have to have evidence that's beyond your brain. How do we get that? Come on. I'm trying, I'm trying to help us here to prize this for what it is. God himself bears witness of his word that it's real. And when it's spoken and when you read it and when you actually connect with it in your heart, your heart burns. That's why Jesus, after he's raised from the dead on the Emmaus Road, think about it. He's raised from the dead. Walking next to these disciples. How is he going to prove that he's the resurrected Christ? Duh. I'm alive. That's not what he did. He took them through the Scriptures and showed them from Moses to the prophets to the Psalms that he was the Christ and that he had to die and raise back again. Can you imagine the resurrected Jesus giving evidence for his own resurrection, but he goes back to the Scripture because he knew that that's what grounds us and keeps us when he's gone and we can't see him anymore. Because the Holy Spirit bears witness. I'm in that book. I breathed it out of my very essence. And it's living and powerful. Listen, can I read you? Um, I'm, I'm close. Anybody ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? See, I'm, I'm going to break you guys in just a little bit of a time. I try to do this church history thing. Because for me, church history has been such a thing that has transformed my life. To me, it's like having gold buried in your backyard. And you're like... I try to encourage people, just go out there and dig, dude. It's right in your backyard under your swing set. Just get a shovel at Lowe's for $10. Oh, that's too much. $10, no, that's too much. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, little at a time. Jonathan Edwards is probably one of the smartest guys. How many have ever tried to read Jonathan Edwards' writings? Okay. It's tough sledding. He's really intellectual. He was the one that God used to spearhead the first great awakening, United States, Northeast. Brilliant. Burning heart for God. It's just, you know, his language is 200 years old, more than 250. Um, And he's also really, really smart. So here's a guy who's brilliant. Listen to what he says. Can you follow me? Are you guys, can you give me five more minutes? Okay. Unless men may come to a reasonable solid persuasion and conviction of the truth of the gospel by the internal evidences of it, by a sight of its glory, it is impossible that those who are illiterate and unacquainted with history should have any thorough and effectual conviction of it at all. They may, without this, see a great deal of probability in it, It may be reasonable for them to give much credit to what learned men and historians tell them, but to have a conviction so clear and evident and assuring as to be sufficient to induce them with boldness to sell all, confidently and fearlessly to run the venture of the loss of all things and of enduring the most exquisite and long-continued torments And to trample the world underfoot and count all things but dung for Christ, the evidence they can have from history cannot be sufficient. Do you see what he's saying? You can have the most brilliant scholar tell you, oh yeah, the Bible's true and he's going to make this case for you. But unless God himself takes that word and attaches it inside of you and goes, He is the worthy one who stands in the center of the throne in Revelation. You were made for him and no sacrifice that you give for him is too big or even worthy to be compared with what he's done. How can you know that? Because the Spirit of God breathed this out of his very being. You talk about treasure. Come on. You talk about treasure. God invites us saying, I've poured out my treasure trove of truth and life, and it's working and it's powerful. You have lack in your life. You need a sense of destiny of where you're going. How many have a vision for what God wants you to do, and you can't do it? It's too big for you. Okay, you need to get a different vision if there's only three of us. No, no I'm serious. I'm serious. How, how, how can we know that? The Holy Spirit He breathed it. Can we here, here's my here's my call today. Can we when we read, next time you read the Bible, could you be like a person who's just found, a treasure buried in a field and you run in your garage and shut the door and make sure that nobody's around and you take that out and start going through it. Can we be like the psalmist? See, this is the picture. Psalm 19 is the picture of what God's inviting us into in our relationship to his word. My eyes fail with longing for your word just longing I opened my mouth wide and panted for your precepts I obey your word because I love your statutes exceedingly where where are we in that picture can, can I just ask that this is this don't take this as an orphan This is an invitation from the Father. That's a picture that He wants to produce inside of our lives. I will tell you, I'm very far from it, but I'm moving. The Father is not looking for perfection. He's looking for direction. If I can help two of you in this room, I'm serious. If I can help one or two of you in this room to change the way that you have a relationship with this book. I will affect it all of eternity. I will affect every relationship in your life and your destiny. Because God loves to plant his seed inside of us. And make us pregnant with His Word. Because when it comes forth, in Mary's case, the Son of God was born. And in your case, the Son of God will be born in the same way. Be it the destiny that He's created you for. You want your calling and your destiny. We talk about it all the time in charismatic circles. My calling and my destiny. Just prophesy over me and lay hands on my head, brother, and give me your mantle. (laughs) It doesn't happen, I tell you, it doesn't. What happens is when you take this treasure into your back room or your garage and you sit down and go, God, plant your seeds inside of me and let them grow. And I want to see you walking around rubbing your belly like that, going, there's something growing inside of me. God's destiny and purpose that He created me for. It's not for numbness. It's for life. It's for life. Never. Never. Never, never underestimate the power of God's word spoken through the mouth of a believer who has inhaled the breath of God. Never, never, never underestimate the power of God's word in your life when he breathes it into you. Mary heard the word of the Lord. She said, oh God, let it be to me according to what you have spoken. How many words await destiny in your heart and your soul? Only the Lord knows.
2: Every head bowed. We have to ask ourselves the question. We have to assess the value of the word of God that's in our heart. I'm asking that every eye be closed. Don't look at me. Examine your heart. We hear a message like this. We, if we're honest with ourselves, we ask ourselves the question: how much Do I value the word of God? And I'm sure everyone in the room, myself included, has room to increase that value. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us. Just in these few moments, I know we've got things to do, places to go. Let me just ask you, what, what, what word are you listening to? What, there's words out there all around us, but what are you hearing? What, what, what are you allowing to go into your heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me ask you, is the word of God coming out of your mouth? I would say this. Let's let God plant his word deep inside of us because it's his word that will change our life. It's his word being inside of us that will cause us to fulfill every plan that he has for you. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you right now. As best we know how, we give our life to you right now. We put our hands, our life in your hands, and we say, change us any way you want to. Those crooked areas make them straight. Those shallow areas make them deep. May your word become the love of our life. God, your word says that you'll even increase our desires. So we ask you now to increase our passion for your word. May may there be something inside of each of us that says, I can't wait for that time in your word. That allotted time of day where we can spend with you, may that increase inside of us. May we block out every distraction that takes away our time to spend with you. God, we love you. There's no question that we love you. But there's so much more that we can give you. So much more of our time, so much more of our life. May our dedication to you be strong. Not to be seen by men, however men will see it. But may we put on our glasses and refocus on you. So that we can be used by you not only in our life and in our family life, but those around about us. God, may our lives be filled with joy, especially during this time. May we not beat ourselves up or listen to the words of the enemy that would condemn But may we listen to your words that convict, that changes, that brings a new horizon, a new scope for those that have no vision, open their eyes to see what you have for them. We're here in these moments. Holy Spirit, do your work. May we sense the seriousness of what we've heard. May it govern our life. I sense that the Holy Spirit is putting things inside of us right now. Open yourself up. Let him deposit inside of you. Receive what he's depositing in you. Receive it. Receive it. Take it in. Embrace it. God, we treasure you and what you're doing. We love it. We love it. And while we don't necessarily understand everything that you're doing, we just take it in, we accept it. We accept what you're doing. We accept what you're implanting. We accept it. And then the days ahead, may revelation come to what you're putting inside. May it be revealed to each one. May there be no confusion, no intellect that gets in the way of what your plan and your purposes are. God, I thank you for this time that we've had together. May we not only be a hearer but may we be a doer starting right now. May we do what we've heard. And I pray for your people today that you would lead us and guide us this week. That you would keep talking to us. That while we do our duties throughout the week, may we also be tuned in to what you're doing and what you're saying. We thank you for changing our lives this morning. We don't take it for granted. We don't trade it for anything else. We thank you for what you're doing in each heart. In each life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to come to church where we can be challenged, growing in the things of God? We pray blessing on each one of you as you're dismissed. If you need to spend some more time with God, don't hesitate. Stay right here. Don't let any distractions, all conversations outside of the room, please. And we'll see you next time. Be blessed.